You're listening to the Kicking Out Podcast, a weekly pro wrestling podcast focused around All Elite Wrestling, hosted by Tanner Lee and Paul Zartman, two passionate All Elite Wrestling fans. If you like what you hear, please click subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kicking Out Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels. Enjoy the show. It's Thursday night. You know what that means. Another episode of the Kicking Out Podcast. I'm Tanner Lee, along with my co-host, Paul Zartman. Paul, how are you doing tonight? It's Thursday. I'm excited. It is Thursday. <laughs> where we got an action-packed show tonight. Ooh. A lot to cover, a lot to talk about. I'm liking your new Dark Order shirt and AEW hat. Looking good there. Yeah, join the Dark Order. <laughs> join the Dark Order. You know, <laughs> it's crazy to think about where they were a year ago right now. Yeah. But, you know, surprisingly, I think it was about a year ago that I uh, filled out the information on the list. And, well, five still hasn't answered me back yet. Still waiting. Still yep. waiting. Well, keep the hope. Maybe, yep. maybe one of these days soon. So I thought this week we'd start out a little differently than we have been lately. We've been doing the On This Day segments, which I plan to bring back next week. But um with our podcast being named the Kicking Out Podcast, I found a list on YouTube. This is from Russell Talks Adam Blompier, and he came up with what he thought was the 20 most shocking kickouts of all time. Really? Yes. Okay, I'm I interested to hear this. A pretty good list, and I want to know which ones you remember seeing or um, watching of the matches. So, Number 20 on his list was Edge kicking out against The Undertaker at WrestleMania 24 when he kicked out of the tombstone at like two and three quarters. I do remember watching that one live. Oof. My my heart stopped at that point. I'm not even going to lie. Were you rooting for Edge to break the streak or were you rooting for Taker to continue going with it? I was uh, a little bit of both. Um, Big Edge fan, so seeing him take on Undertaker. I wanted to see him beat the streak, but yet I wanted to see the streak stay alive. So I figured the streak would stay alive, but I would, at the same time, I want to see edge break it for sure. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that was, I got to say that was during the period I was not watching uh, pro wrestling for a little bit, but I've watched that match since going back and it was a really good one. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I didn't have a problem with them breaking Undertaker streak. I just didn't necessarily agree with who did it or or the timing of it. But that's where I'm at. I think there were a couple other guys that could have broke it and done it a little bit better. But we don't uh, write for them. So <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm a like I said last week. I'm a Lesnar fan. Yeah. But um, or I I don't know if I call myself a fan, but I enjoy his matches, I guess. But I still don't think he does. He was the one that deserved to break the streak. But no. like you said, we don't write for them for a reason. So, all right, moving on. Number nineteen, a guy a lot of listeners and viewers of the show are familiar with, Adam Cole, um, was yep. on this list for uh, his kick out at the Ring of Honor's Best of Best of the World 2014 against uh, Michael uh, Elgin, and he kicked out of the Elgin Bomb. 
Uh, nope, no clue. <laughs> I, I I wasn't. I got to say, I wasn't ever really a Ring of Honor watcher, um, no. at least religiously or anything. But it was funny when he was going through this list. It tricked the crowd so much. They had thrown confetti into the ring already, thinking the three count was coming. <laughs> oh. And then they chanted, "We effed up." We effed up, <laughs> so they had to clean out the rain of the, of the like confetti and everything. Oh, it was fantastic visual. <laughs> Number eighteen, Mick Foley as Cactus Jack in the two thousand Royal Rumble Street Fight versus Triple H when he kicked out of the Pedigree. If you remember back then in the early two thousands, the Pedigree was one of the most protective finishing moves in all of professional wrestling. Yeah, they didn't let too many people kick out of that at that time. So that is a heck of a match. If you've never seen that match. I have Go seen back that and watch match, it. Yes. Um, oh man, that's a fun one. Um, number seventeen. I do remember watching this match live. And uh, oh, I am my camera's off. Camera's off. <laughs> well, let me see if I can fix that. <laughs> Anything can happen when you're live. Yep. Um, well, I'm going to keep going with the audio for now, but I'll get the camera going. Uh, number 17 is AJ Styles kicking out against John Cena in SummerSlam 2016 when he kicked out of the Avalanche uh, attitude adjustment off the top rope. That I do remember. Uh, there was a rather interesting reaction from the crowd at that point in time because AJ was the one who was supposed to win and or not supposed to win. So him kicking out of that was just absolutely – I thought it was great. Uh, a lot of people didn't seem to agree, though. Yeah, I thought that, I mean, it was a fantastic match. I was rooting for AJ Styles, I remember. Um, and uh, there we go. I'm back now. And uh, and I didn't think AJ was going to win that match, to be honest. I, I thought that was the one where, okay, he's going to have a lot of close calls, but Cena's ultimately going to come out on top, and it wasn't the case. And that, that was a heck of a series of matches they had during that year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anytime those two get together, I always enjoyed it. Another John Cena match on number 16. I know you remember this one, Paul. I remember this one. This was um, one of the best crowd reactions in a match I've ever seen. Seen Punk kicking out against John Cena at the Money in the Bank 2011 after Cena hit two AAs on him. Yep, yep. Um Punk was a crowd favorite, but everybody wanted to see him lose that match because Cena was so high and not mighty, but, you know, Cena was the guy, even though he may not have been the champ at a given time during that time frame, Cena was still the guy. He was the guy, but not that night in Chicago. There's, no, he was they were, not. They were going to riot if uh, Punk lost. So. Yeah. Number 15, I got to say, I was not familiar with this one. I've never watched this match. I'm not a NXT UK viewer. So um, that is Tyler Bate kicking out of a powerbomb from Walter at a one count in the NXT TakeOver Cardiff. Yeah, I I have nothing for this one. Nope. And um, the video was interesting, though. Walter hits a big powerbomb, puts all of his weight down Tyler, and he kicks out of one. And the crowd was kind of like, what is going on? And I think they were still trying to book Walter as, you know, this undefeatable powerhouse. So probably definitely upset a lot of people when he was able to kick out at one. Sure. You don't see it happen very often. When it does, it's usually for a particular reason or a special moment. Uh, Number 14, Daniel Bryan at the Elimination Chamber 2012. And he kicked out of Santino Morella's Cobra. And believe it or not, up until that point, Santino Morella's Cobra had finished off every opponent. 
Yep, it, it was, was a protected finisher. Yes, it was definitely a protected finisher. It was a great <laughs> finisher. Uh, it was a nice little spin on Mr. Sacco. Because <laughs> it was down to those two for the final, uh, the final two for the World Heavyweight Championship. And, I mean, yep. he, he then the crowd's like, oh, my God, is Santino Morella going to win the title right before Mania? But, nope. Nope. We, we were never that lucky. <laughs> I or don't Santina know didn't even win a title. Very true. Number 13 was The Rock at WrestleMania 17 versus Stone Cold when he kicked out of the stunner towards uh, the end of the match, which led to Stone yeah. Cold getting ticked off. Of course, aligning himself with Vince and hitting The Rock with about a million chair shots. Yeah, but I got to say, um, when I think back to the feud between The Rock and Stone Cold, I, I, I got to give hats off to The Rock. He knew how to take that stunner and sell that stunner every single time. Better than anybody. Yeah. Better than anybody. Yep. He could sell that thing. And uh, that was an interesting match. It's still a great match to go back. I still think that's the best WrestleMania of all time, the 17. Um, go back and watch that match. And that match, it was just leading up to that moment when Stone Cold hit the stunner and then Rock kicked out. Actually, he kicked out closer to two than two and a half. I think he kicked out a little earlier than he should have. But yeah. regardless, it was still a big moment. Yeah. I think uh, the ref's hand should have been just about to the mat when he kicked out, but, you know. Number 12, Kenny Omega at WrestleMate, Wrestle Kingdom 11. I almost said WrestleMate. Wrestle Kingdom 11 against Okada. This was the first time they uh, would go against each other. He kicked out of uh, Okada's Rainmaker, which not too many guys do. Nope. Uh, it's what really, I think, in my opinion, started the whole Kenny Omega being the bout machine, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, and, and Okada would go on to win that match, but then yeah. we, we got a, a a series of matches between the two guys, and there every single match has been classic. That first one that Adam mentions here, that match went on for forty five minutes, which at the time wow. was the longest in Wrestle Kingdom history. So, wow. Number eleven on Adam's list is Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior in Randy Savage's retirement match at WrestleMania seven. There was kickouts by both guys that popped the crowd. The Warrior kicked out of uh, after he received five flying elbows from Macho Man. Warrior kicked out, and then Savage also powered out of the running splash from Warrior. Warrior would ultimately win the match. I have not seen this match. Um, definitely sounds like I need to go watch it though. Yep, I would recommend. Um, once the transfer happens for the network over the Peacock, because I know you have Peacock, watch that match. is a fun one. Yeah, uh, the transfer has started. I was flipping around on Peacock, and there was some WWE stuff that wasn't there prior. Yep, and slowly starting it. And yep. I think I think Mania is going to be their first pay-per-view that is exclusively on Peacock. So Yeah. Interesting timing there. Makes sense, though. Mm -hmm. In his top 10, number 10 was Randy Orton kicking out at WrestleMania 30. And I, I remember watching that pay-per-view, but I had forgotten about this moment where Daniel Bart Bryan had, I believe it was a running knee on Randy, but Batista threw Daniel out of the ring, went for the cover. The whole crowd was like, oh, oh my God, yeah. Batista's going to win. Then Orton kicked out. I remember that now. Yes. Yes. Uh, it took me a minute, but yeah, definitely was an interesting match. Because Mr. Uh, Royal Rumble winner that year, Batista was originally booked to win the title at WrestleMania yes. until the fans took over. Yeah. Thank God they did. Number nine was Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 31, kicking out of uh, two spears from Roman Reigns. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun match. Brock dominated the beginning, and then Roman had his comeback. Like I said, hit two different spears. Um, Brock kicks out. Rollins comes down, cashes in, pins Roman. Crazy, crazy main event. One, one of the best main events, I think, in WrestleMania history. Definitely led to uh, some more interesting matches that followed. That's for sure. Number eight is one of my favorite matches of all time. HBK kicking out against Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21. He kicked out of, out of an angle slam off the top rope. I remember this. Yes, definitely a good match. Some great kickouts. Yeah, they're, I mean, and then they had another good one later on at another pay-per-view, but this one took the cake. I mean, Angle made HBK tap out. Not too many people did that. Yeah. Uh, number seven was Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 18 versus The Rock. He kicked out of The Rock bottom. Then he hulked up into a leg drop, and then The Rock kicked out, and the crowd popped for that too. So I, I said this on our first podcast a month ago. I think that is my favorite match of all time. It's definitely in my top ten. Um, I mean, like I said, anything with The Rock is always a good match, no matter who he's against. Number six, Kota Ibushi at the G1 Climax 23 against Nakamura. Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, Nakamura hit three of his uh, finishers. I, I forget what they called it over in New Japan. It's, it was It's his running knees, but they called it by a different name than they do now in the WWE. But after the third one, he went for the pin, and, and uh, Kota kicked out at one. And it was kind of like, it was crazy how he sold it. He kind of popped up, and it was like he didn't even know where he was. And it was like an out-of-body experience. Then Shinsuke hit another one, one, two, three. But it was the crowd popped after he kicked out of one because it was just kind of like something just took over in his body and it just, it was a reflex to kick out of one. And it was, it was a pretty cool moment. The new Japan and, well, all Japan wrestling matches are always great to watch just because you get little things like that. Like, wait, what happened? Yep, absolutely. Number five was Johnny Gargano at the TakeOver New York against Adam Cole. Johnny was a big underdog in this match, kept kicking out of finishers. Um, Undisputed Era got involved. He kept fighting them off, and then finally just couldn't take any more. But, I mean, every kick out, the crowd was getting more and more behind him. Just, just a pretty cool moment there. And we're down to the final four on Adam's list here. Number four, Kenny Omega at AEW Revolution 2020, last year's revolution, when he kicked out at one after the Young Bucks hit the Golden Lovers' golden trigger on him you remember that yeah. oh yeah i thought it was all over right then and there and then he kicked out i might have jumped out of my seat a little bit he kicked out did his own version of kind of hulking up there crowd was going nuts on their feet yep still the match of the year for 2020 in my opinion yes and now we're down to this top three any guesses before i reveal the top three of, of any kickouts mm. you can think of that might make his list here Honestly, um, there's so many I could think of, but I'm more interested to see what Adam picked. Well, number three, this is Adam's favorite match in recent memory, he says, is uh, when Brock Lesnar kicked out of a running knee from Daniel Bryan at the 2018 Survivor Series. After, if you remember right, the ref got knocked out, so Daniel Bryan hit a low blow, yep. then a running knee, and Lesnar kicked out the last second because Lesnar pretty much dominated the match, but there was a little yeah. window in there that Daniel Bryan got some offense so. Yep, I thought for sure Daniel Bryan had that match won, and well. <laughs> in in his uh, number two and number one here, I can't really argue too much. I think these are pretty good picks. Number two is HBK's kick out at WrestleMania 25 from Undertaker's Tombstone. 
Okay. Yeah. The one where Undertaker was just shocked and his eyes were like out of his head and he was yep. laying his head against HBK's body. Kind of yep. like, what do I have that to was... do to finish this guy off? Yeah, and I think that scene has made it into every open of some sort from WWE since. And speaking of The Undertaker, he has the number one kickout on Adam Blompier's list. It's at WrestleMania 29, Hell in the Cell. He takes a sheet, a sweet chin music from special guest referee Shawn Michaels, followed directly by a pedigree. And then kicked out. Then kicked out. I think everybody thought that. I thought the streak was over. I remember watching yep. that match. I'm like, yep, this is it. This is yep. done. As and soon as they announced. Up and, yep. Wow. As soon as they announced HBK as the special guest ref, I went, well, here we go. This is going to end the streak. And luckily it didn't. That sequence was so smooth and sweet, though. Yeah. Music right into the pedigree. Yep. That and that's fantastic. why Triple H and HBK work so well together. Yep. They've always had that chemistry. They're pretty much like brothers. So, yep. But um, HBK would go on and ref the match fairly. And, he wasn't happy about it, but uh, Undertaker would win and keep the streak going for uh, – no, that would be the last time because it would be yeah. the next year at WrestleMania 30 against Brock Lesnar. So so I, I thought Adam put a, put together a good list. I thought that would be a different little segment. I mean, I thought it fit in well with our podcast name. So. Yeah, definitely. So, But before we get into um, recapping being the elite this week, some big news came out yesterday. News I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. I don't think you were expecting. No. I don't think a lot of the AEW roster was expecting. And that was Paul White signing with All Elite Wrestling. Paul White, you probably know him, know, know him as the Big Show in WWE or the Giant in WCW. Maybe yep. Captain Insano from the Waterboy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd be okay if we got a Captain Insano match at some point, but hey. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you see so many times on the internet where they'll just take somebody and throw them on the all elite background and say, oh, so-and-so is now all elite. And to, when it first popped up with Paul, I was like, okay, this isn't legit. This is fake. So I started digging. I mean, it took me going to, uh, Tony Khan's Twitter before I actually believed it. When I saw Tony Khan tweet it, I knew it was legit. Yeah, when you um, text me, I had not seen it yet. I'm like, what? Yeah, I was uh, I was glad I got to break the news to you. Yeah, it, I mean, it's um, I'm happy about it. I, I've seen a lot of Twitter backlash, of course, social media backlash. Like, Here we go, WCW 2.0, always bringing the ex-WWE guys in. Well, why yep. I think this is good is, for one, it, it shocked me because I thought Big Show was going to be a WWE lifer. He'd been with the company for 22 years. I thought he's got to do a lot of stuff post career with the WWE as like an ambassador and you know maybe a teacher, trainer, whatever. And for him to come over means he was really unhappy with the WWE, and it sounded like he was really unhappy from a financial standpoint in his latest contract uh, offer. His contract just came up, I think, like a week ago. Yeah, um, and uh, they just quietly moved him over to the alumni. Nobody knew he was gone. Um, but I do think the fact that he worked so hard to get into so much better shape, I mean, he's in the best shape he's been in, in his life. And Vince just puts him on the bench. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they probably should have used him a little more than they did the last few years, but, um, I still think he's got a little left in the tank, but he's going to be used primarily, um, as a commentator because AEW also announced in the signing of Paul White, that uh, they're 
having a new show, a new series on YouTube. It's going to be on Monday nights called AEW Dark Elevation. It's going to be an hour long. It's kind of an extension of the Tuesday night series, AEW Dark. And Paul White will be the commentator with Tony Schiavone. Yeah, I think this is a great matchup between the two. Um, Tony is a natural when it comes to commentary. I mean, I was nervous when AEW launched and Tony was on commentary because he hasn't done anything since WCW. And he picked up that headset, put it on. And it's like it had been a day. Mm-hmm. So, And I think uh, Paul's bringing a lot of knowledge. So it'll be great. I'm anxious to see what he can do with the big guys. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we get some more focus on some of the bigger guys. Um, I mean, we've got the murder Hawk, Lance Archer on our TV almost every week. We got Brian cage. We got Will Hobbs and there's more. Yep. So hopefully we get to see those guys more now. Yeah. And I was listening today to the busted open podcast from their show yesterday and they were interviewing Lance Archer when the news broke and he had no idea about it. Dave LaGreca goes to the producer. Hey, can you get a check if this is real? And they read the press release and Lance is like, Holy cow. Like he was shocked and he goes, he, he threw out a challenge right there. Because they, they're like, Lance, you're not the biggest guy on the roster anymore. He's like, well, Paul White, if you want to get in the ring with the Murder Rock Monster, I'll fight you. So I'm like, oh. Yep, yep. And I kept noticing, uh, which I'll talk about more later on, something that they mentioned during Lance's match. But we will see Paul White uh, make his debut next Wednesday night on Dynamite Crossroads. It's it's titled, it's being titled, as, so it's kind of has a special Dynamite episode feel uh, yep. for the go-home show to uh, – revolution so i'm excited about excited about the addition it definitely caught me by surprise oh yeah me as well i i do kind of wish being a taped episode last night they would have waited until um i don't know maybe next week and, and brought them out unannounced yeah. or something but that's okay yeah but i think um this this gives us something to look forward to absolutely so well we'll see um i mean it's it's a long it's a long-term deal too it's not a short-term deal so yep We'll see what happens. But this week's being the Elite episode 244, titled Nepotism. Uh, it begins with backstage like it has, I don't know how many weeks in a row. We see the Good Brothers talking with the Young Bucks after Matt and Nick got attacked by the Inner Circle last week. Matt, Matt was asking them what took them so long to come out and help. Uh, Carl and Gallows seem to have a reason, but they don't really want to say why. Then there's a clip showing of the inner circle beating up Matt and Nick last week. And then backstage, we see Don Callis tell uh, Gals and Anderson something. They kind of, kind of whisper something, and they went off to help. And then we see Doc have to make a stop in the bathroom before going out, and Carl decides <laughs> to do the same. And that's why that took him so long. Yeah, uh, could have done without the – because at first, I didn't understand what Gallo said. So I was like, okay, you know, he's going to the bathroom. I did. Uh, uh, I did. <laughs> It definitely was clear by the time Anderson walked into there. It's it's the Good Brothers. You expect anything different? I know, I know, I know. Yep. So, but then then we get a we get a bit showing uh, Matt and Nick's parents, Papa Buck and Mama Buck, uh, flying with them for the first time since the pandemic began. And um, the two were ringside last week's Dynamite. We saw Papa Buck shove Chris Jericho um, during the match last week. So. Then we see uh, Brendan Cutler watching Kenny Omega play Street Fighter 2 against uh, the store's two owners. Kenny beat them both. No surprise there. He is amazing at video games. 
he uh, he lost the one round against the first owner, though. He did. I he thought did. they were going to show Kenny lose there for a second, and I was going to be shocked. He was in the zone. I mean, both he those was. guys, they were hitting the buttons hard. Yeah, I don't even think Kenny realized he was being filmed at first. No, no, he's a man. He's 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 a good video game player. That's that's yeah. for sure. So, um, okay, then we got uh, Brandon Cutler's looking for some more coffee, but he doesn't like the one he has. He turns his back, and the bunny sneaks up from behind the bar and sprays something in his drink. Cutler goes to take a drink of it, but the blade stops him and says, "Hey, they're calling for you to to film something." So he leaves, and then the bunny pops up and scolds the blade for sending Cutler off. And uh, I didn't catch it at first, but uh, there's duct tape on the bottle, and it's got the skull and crossbones on it. So apparently we're getting more segments of people trying to kill Brandon Cutler. Yep. Yep. Well, it all goes back to them playing among us. So when he had murdered her, so all goes back to that. (laughs) <laughs> then we see um, big money Matt Hardy talking with Isaiah Cassidy about Cassidy dressing up as the Jaguars mascot and attacking Hangman Adam Page on last week's Dynamite. Hardy says they uh, tried, tried to help him, but he didn't want it. Hardy's so annoyed that Page uh, wants to take his uh, quarter one earnings. Cassidy thanks Hardy for everything he's done. Hardy then offers Cassidy a VIP chain necklace. Hardy says Cassidy is now a made man of his group then asks uh, a referee where TH2 is at. Hardy then tells the referee if he ever needs an agent, he could become come a king ref. Yeah. Um, I'm loving this Money Matt segments. It's by far the best gimmick they've used with him so far. Yep. The broken gimmick, I was all for it a year ago. About this time, we started seeing, you know, he kind of came out with, where am I going to go? And then we saw the Bucks show up on his YouTube and everything. But with the pandemic hitting and everything, it kind of spoiled it. It, it, it just the broken gimmick doesn't work without fans. Yeah, yeah. But he still keeps the whole uh, delete segment alive in his yep. matches, so that's nice. But backstage, Big Money Matt is where it's at. Yep, and a lot of wrinkles to to his character. Yep. And speaking of that, Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy fi- uh, eventually find Jack Evans. And he's break dancing while Angelico's riding his skateboard. Hardy pays up his debt to them, which was thirty seven hundred bucks for helping them on Dynamite. Hardy asks them about using them again in the future. Evan says, "Sure, but it'll be double the pay." Hardy isn't thrilled about them asking for a raise when they didn't even quite finish the job with Paige. Hardy then says he's open to uh, negotiations though for a small fee, and uh, that they could have uh, big money futures if they sign up with him. Yep, um, and then uh, Matt and Isaiah walk away. Uh, TH2 starts questioning each other, you know, do you trust him? And I like how both of them are like, well, it is a nice necklace, though. Yep, yep. So, uh, and we'll we'll get to that a little bit on the episode of Dynamite last night with TH2. So then we see the Unbucks uh, thanking Brandon Color for trying to help them out against the inner circle. Uh, they want to get some payback on the group, and they reward Brandon Color. Um, his first dynamite match since 2019. Yeah. When they tell him that he's going to be facing Jake Hager, Color's all pumped and say he's been working hard, breaking his losing streak. Feels like he's earned this match. As he heads off, Matt kind of chuckles. Says nothing like an old fashioned nepotism. Am I right? He didn't earn a damn thing. He'll do all right though, I think. <laughs> and uh, I, I like the uh, the reference to Jake Hager's previous name. And uh, nice. Matt kept slipping up on that one. And Nick's like, you can't say that. They own the rights to that. 
You know, it is crazy what they can get away with on BT sometimes. Like, yep, I, they obviously know the rules. They have compliance department, so yep, it's all good fun. Then we see the best part of being the elite every week: the Dark Order, like you have on your shirt there. We see them in their hang, their hangout. The group feels like they did a good job saving Hangman Page and Dynamite. They're gloating about how good everyone looked. Then they talk about how cool Page is, and um, just everything cool he does. And then they break out of the Hangman F's chant, which I thought was great because if you remember, a few months ago it was F Hangman. Yep. So it's kind of come for full circle. Yep, it's involved. Good storytelling. Then we see a tipsy Adam Hangman page showing up, and he joins in on the chant. You know, Uno says they are completely okay if Page doesn't join the group, but they just want to be his friend, just hanging out from time to time. Page says that sounds pretty damn good. Page then asks for their phone numbers, and they start mm-hmm. rattling them off, off their dark order numbers. Page says he means their phone numbers. Five and ten give him some weird numbers, which five was all five, and tens was a number that spells out cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, then then um, Sizzle contact Colt and get everyone's numbers. Paige compliments the group and leaves the room to go to the bathroom. The group decides to go follow him. Of course, led by Johnny Hungy. <laughs> of course. He's he's kind of got some good brother's humor to him, but he's a yep. So. yep. He keeps it clean to a point. Yep. Then we see uh, Sammy Guevara only wearing the BT title and says he's going to defend it on his vlog, but he notes he didn't go to Dynamite because he didn't feel like going. And then he said he's going to de- defend his title against his mom, which then if you watch his vlog, that didn't happen because of the weather. Nope. Nope. Weather got in the way of that. But I do got to say um, the the HBK reference was nice because that was the pose HBK play, uh, posed for uh, Playgirl in. Yeah. So, uh, good. Yep. Very true. Yep. So I I made the comment when that popped up. I said, you know, I know another guy who did that, and he did pretty good for himself after that. So I think Sammy's got a bright future. Yeah, if Sammy could have a fraction of the career that HBK did, he'd do pretty good for himself. And I do yep. think he has a bright future. So. Oh, absolutely. And then to wrap up this episode of being the lead, the guys catch Brandon Keller again napping in a public place. Yeah. He's a he busy guy. To- He's got two contracts. Yeah, and they're trying to make it a third at one point. Yeah, yeah. So, but last night we had a very fun episode of a AEW Dynamite, like we do every week. But I thought this yep. was a really good episode. Um, start off with John Moxley against Ryan Nemeth, and this match wasn't too long. Um, I mean, Nemeth tried to hit a DDT right off the bat, but he got shoved away. Then he tried to go for a shoulder tackle. No luck on that. Got absolutely smacked in the face by Moxley. I mean, that, yep. that was – even John kind of looked at the camera like, I got him good there. Uh, Moxley's then hit him with some forearms. Nimbeth returned with, with some strikes of his own. But he um, took a knee to the head, and then he ran right into a German suplex. And then they kind of traded some shots. Then Moxley hit a clothesline in the corner. Nimbeth was able to hit a drop kick, but he ended up taking the paradigm shift shortly after that for the one, two, three. Yeah, uh, I texted you about this last night. I was like, okay, you know, matches probably about halfway through. I can go to the bathroom. I got plenty of time. Gone 30 seconds, came back, match was over. Uh, but it was still um, a great match. I mean, we're really seeing Ryan start to develop into his own. Um 
Ryan's still kind of dealing with being the younger brother of someone else, and he's slowly starting to get people to realize it doesn't matter who my brother is. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how they use him going forward. I mean, they are giving him TV time, but so far it's been pretty much squash matches. So, yeah, but he but he got a, he got a uh, chance to talk. Yep, he got some offense in, and so that's always a good thing too. Yeah, so. We'll see. Then post match, of course, Moxley got on the mic, and he and he has a chair to sit on. Cuts a really, really, really good promo, intense promo. He says the morning he woke up without the AW title, he knew he'd do whatever it takes to get that back. He talked about you know crawling through mud, over grenades, barbed wire, whatever he's got to do to take it back. Then he asks, so "What images come to mind when you hear the words exploding barbed wire death match?" Monica says he's an addict. He's addicted to being that close to the flame every single night, even if this is a trap put out by Kenny and his friends. This isn't the first time an opponent has tried to take him out. He continues that win, lose, or draw. All the people who have stuck with him over the years, they all know that he has given everything he's had to them. Moxley um, says, "If it does come to an end at Revolution, that seems like a hell of a way to go out." Yep. Um, I don't think his wife would be too happy if this was the end uh, because she's not too happy about this match. But, you know, John's got to do what John's got to do. Are they tipping their hat a little too much here, Paul, with uh, everybody kind of connecting the dots that I don't, I, I don't want to spoil our predictions for next week, but I don't think too many people expect Moxley to win this match. Yeah. And with that said, everybody that pays attention knows he's going to be a father soon. Or in the near future. Yep. He really hasn't taken some time away. Right. The longest he's been away was when he was quarantined for New Japan. Um, other than that, he's been there every single week. So, well, apart from the time that he took off for his elbow. So, or, yeah. Or when be... um, Renee got COVID last yeah. year. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. But, uh, but, Maybe they're gonna trick us. Maybe, maybe, maybe he will lose, but be back sooner than we think. But I wouldn't mind him taking some time off, and then when he comes back, that pop will be even bigger and more meaningful. Yep. Um, and and it makes sense with this type of match. He's got to take oh, a little beating. So if you're gonna write him off, kind of makes sense. Yep. This is the type of match to do it in. Then we see a video package play between the rivalry of Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Kind of, they did a lot of good video packages like that last night, catching people up to speed, yeah, um, with storylines. So then we go uh, backstage. Well, it was actually it was on last week on the social media, but they played it for everybody that might not have seen it. Alex Abrahantes was talking with Lance Archer and Ray Phoenix about their uh, upcoming match tonight, which was uh, for the to qualify for the ladder match at Revolution. Um, he asked about the chemistry as a team. Archer says no doubt it's there, but he's definitely going to kick Phoenix's ass next week because, like I said, this was filmed last week. Right. Phoenix responds that Archer's the worst partner he's ever had, and then the two brawl for a bit until the camera cuts out. Yeah, and that led to this. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we get a clip shown of Steen taking a powerbomb from Brian Cage. Then they... Um, promote that steam wants payback at some point tonight so and then they show that the inner circle attacked the young bucks 
after their match. And earlier today, cameras caught up with the Young Bucks along with their parents checking out the AEW merch truck with Nick yeah. and Nat's image on the back. That was also on being the elite. Yep. I thought it was two different shots, though. It the is. being the elite one looked more out in the open, and this it, one was more close to yeah. the arena. Yeah, and um, on being the elite, we join them in the midst of taking pictures of Mama and Papa Buck, whereas backstage, Nick says, hey, let's take a picture. Yes, I still enjoyed them incorporating that in this, though. Like, Yeah. And, and I knew something... Something was gonna happen. <laughs> Just the way the camera panned on those images of of Nick and uh, Matt on the back of the trucks after they walked away, I was like, "Something's gonna happen." And, and and remember last week, Papa Buck got into it with Jericho. They didn't do that just for no reason. So I knew something was gonna happen, but I wasn't sure what. So yeah, definitely wasn't expecting what did happen. That's for sure. We then got a tag match between the Varsity. Varsity Blondes, Griff Garrison, and Brian Pillman Jr. against Brian Cage and Ricky Starks of Team Taz, along with Taz, who headed over to the commentary table soon after they made their entrance. Uh, pretty good match. I thought the Varsity Blondes yeah. had a lot of offense, and I thought Griff Garrison looked fantastic. Uh, Pillman even had some good spots. Pillman took a nasty-looking powerbomb on the outside from Cage at one point. He hit the turnbuckle, then the steel steps. That, oh, oh. yeah. That hurt my spine. Um, mm. But uh, towards the end of the match, Cage came in with a blind tag. Ricky hit the hit a spear on Griff Garrison. Then uh, Brian Cage hit a discus clothesline on Pillman. And then the drill call, claw for the one, two, three. Um, everybody looked good in this match. I thought, I think, I mean, I think the potential for Cage and Starks way up there. And, and I think Pillman and, and Garrison are coming along too. Yeah, um, definitely loving what they're doing with the Varsity Blondes. Nice little shout out to Pillman's dad. Um, but yet it's something different mm-hmm. and it's a great duo between the two. And then you've got Cage and Starks who are an absolute dominant tag team together. So I was impressed by those two as a tag team yet again last night. Yep. And um, th- these two guys, the Varsity Blondes, they're a team that's kind of, we've seen them a bunch on dark, but now they're getting regular time on Dynamite or starting to. Yeah, uh, nice soon they're going to be in the top five. Nice to see. And, and one thing I wanted to ask you earlier when I was mentioning the new show on Monday nights, um, it sounds like we're still going to get another show, though. Tony Khan said this isn't the show. That, yep. So, yep. Tony said uh, that's still to come in 2021. So I uh, think we'll see a fall time. And I got to think, hopefully, it is in 2021 when we can have bigger live crowds again. Yeah. I got to think Dark's going to change once that happens because if you remember right, Dark used to be just two or three matches actually after the episode of Dynamite. Yep. It wasn't 15 matches. So, yeah, I mean, this week's episode uh, was what 20 women and 40 men battle it out for over two hours. Yeah, I didn't tune in. I, 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 I just hard for me to tune in. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go to a few matches here and there, but it's hard for me to sit down for that long. And, yeah, and watch another night of night of wrestling because there's there's just so much to watch, which is great. I, I'm glad AEW's given us a ton to watch. Don't get me wrong; it's all great content. But at one at some point, it's like, man, this is it's hard to. Keep I up. think I think when we get uh, crowds back, and uh, maybe with the coming of the second televised show, or even um, evolution or not evolution <laughs> elevation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see Dark kind of start to wind back down to what it used to be. 
Yeah, and I'd be fine with that. And I'm I'm excited for Elevation just because of Paul and, and Tony being on the call and it just being an hour. That's something I can tune into at 7 o'clock every Monday night. No problem. Yep, definitely doesn't mean that everybody's going to be stuck in Jacksonville till 3 or 4 in the morning every single week. Correct. Yeah, I, I think they got to change the format of Dark Back when, when they start traveling again. Yeah, so. absolutely. But post-match after the tag match, uh, the lights go out, and then on the big screen we see Steve, or what I presume Sting. We never saw his face, but we saw his gloves. Right. He's driving in the desert, which I couldn't really. I didn't find a connection because there's no desert close to Jacksonville, Florida. But yeah. I was thinking maybe Sting, you know, Scorpion Desert. That's all I could really think. But I, I, right. I don't know. But anyways, he's dragging Darby in the body bag that we saw Darby in last week. Um, his arms kind of out of the body bag. Um. And then uh, Sting opens it up, and <laughs> and Darby pops up, kind of brushes himself off, and then for the first time in two years, we saw Darby Allen smile. Yes, awesome. Uh, the awesome. new makeup looks great too. Yeah, I mean yeah, that was some definitely a shout out to Sting with that mm-hmm. face paint, and it looked great. I hope Darby sticks with that for a while. Oh, the smile just crap. I mean, I popped, oh, the I'm smile like, was great. I'm like, oh my god, Darby can smile. He's got a nice, nice smile. For, I forgot he can smile. <laughs> I've, I've never really seen it. Well, I have in like interviews and stuff, but not not yeah. often. Nope. Um, back at Daly's place, we saw Steen's music hit, and he was dragging out a body bag. I figured it was Darby in the body bag. He's got so did I. Bag, go attack. Opens it up. It was Hook. Taz's son Hook, and Taz is going nuts on commentary. Which I'm like, why don't you run over there and try to help your son? But he. We're just going nuts on commentary. Then Sting points to the rafters, and we see Darby Allen zip lining with his skateboard. Great shot there. He comes down to the, down to the ring from the nosebleed seats and nails both Ricky Starks and Cage with his skateboard while he's trying to unhook himself. Which I think this was good. They did this during a taped week because I think he struggled a little bit getting that unhooked, so they could cut away and uh, focus on Sting more. Where live, they would probably have been a big mess on social media about it but anyways he unhooks and then he takes uh ricky out with uh hitting him with the skateboard and then he does a crossbody over the top rope and starts beating him up sting then, then is wailing away on brian cage in the corner hits a stinger splash which was also awesome to see followed by a uh, scorpion death drop yeah you know this segment was great from start to finish um, I think Brian Cage was supposed to be a little bit closer to the zip line than he <laughs> yeah. was. As Darby's like just swinging his legs wildly there for a second. But yeah, um, that Darby struggling to unhinge himself. And then it looked like Sting struggled with his jacket at one point. But other than that, it was a great segment. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good thing it was taped because so. then they can kind of cut away with that and edit and everything. But, uh, yep. no, a great segment. Maybe more intrigued for the match. Um, yeah. I don't know, Paul. All these reports coming out about, you know, it was Sting wanted to be powerbomb and Tony's Khan's decision to make the call and all that stuff. I'm starting to think we're going to get a live match. We're not going to get a cinematic street fight. I think we are, too. Um, I don't know how I, I feel about that. I wanted it to be cinematic just so that I knew I could breathe during it. Um, I mean, it's going to be a great match. Sting definitely still in shape, still Mm -hmm. has what it takes. Uh, Might be in a little bit better shape than he was when he was in WWE. Um, He didn't look to have as big of a gut as he did then. So (laughs) maybe he's in a little bit better shape. He's taking a little bit better care of himself. And maybe he wants it to be live. 
maybe he doesn't want a cinematic. So then do we see the exploding barbed wire death match be cinematic? Ooh. I hope not. As the main event of a pay-per-view, I don't like yeah. that. But it might be hard to pull off live, too. I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I was looking up images of exploding barbed wire death matches and lots of pretty exploding lights. I got to say that much. So I'm interested to see this one. Yeah, if, if they do it live, which I hope they do, just from a you know a viewpoint of watching it, um, it'll be interesting to see. Like um, they're gonna have to do a long video package or something while they get the ring ready. Yeah. Yeah, the only way uh, I think they get away with this is, um, you know, have it pre-ready. So it's literally going to take just a few minutes to set up. Yeah. Uh, do an interview with Kenny or Moxley or the final lead up to them to battling or something. But there definitely is going to have to be something ahead of it. Yep. Yep. And I think it will be pre-made, like you said, but it's still going to take a little bit of time to set it up. So. Then we see this was the low point of the show, in my opinion. Uh, Tony Schiavone sitting down with for an interview with Miro, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford. Sabian saying their wedding was supposed to be the best day of their lives, but it was destroyed by Chuck Taylor, which they kept calling him Charles still um, in Orange Cassidy. Miro says the couple was so upset they couldn't even go on their honeymoon. Miro says he can't wait to take down Orange Cassidy, but offers up uh, for, for Chuck Taylor to return to him. Uh, Shivani's then handed a note while Miro's talking. The guys are asked if they will wrestle Taylor and Cassie at Revolution. Miro says Taylor needs to be a man, not a child. That's what happens when he hangs out with Orange Cassidy. They don't say yes or no to the match, but we later find out that that match is official. Thank God, ready for the storyline to end. And I am I I hate how they are using Miro. I mean I I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'd almost rather see what he was doing at his as his last days of Rusev instead of this. Yeah, uh, sadly, I can agree I with you on that. I don't like it. Uh, I think Trent's injury kind of had something to do with the way this is drug out. Uh, I think it was, should have been over by now, um, but then Trent got injured, so they had to figure out something quickly, and this is what they came up with. I just want Miro to go back to being the, the butt-kicking machine. We know he is. I mean, that he showed in the Battle Royal a couple weeks ago. That's what I want to see on Miro. I don't want to see this weird interview stuff. I don't. I just don't like the pairing of him and Kip. I don't know. It just has not worked for me since the beginning. Well, that's because neither one of us are real big Kip fans. That's um, true. That's true. And I got to say, Kip wearing the same thing he was wearing on Sammy's vlog threw me off. It it, it just threw me off. Um, simply because you know they kept mentioning, oh, you got a big match tonight because he was taking on. Uh, Fuego del Sol, and Kip didn't even mention it. There was no mention of, you know, hey, congratulations on your win or sorry about your loss or whatever. None of that took place. That kind of upset me. But I really hope we see a dominant Miro at Revolution when they have this match. And I'm hoping somehow maybe Kip tags himself in and it makes Miro mad. And that's the end of those two. Because it kind of teased it at the wedding two weeks yep. ago um, when um, Chuck ducked and Kip hit Miro. Miro had a mad look on his face, so it kind of yep. was teased there. So so hopefully we start to see that. And I'd be okay with that storyline just because it's yeah. Kip. I would be too. <laughs> get him in something different. Get him on his own. Yep. 
Then we see the match between Brandon Cutler and Jake Hager. A uh, pretty short match, to be honest. Uh, Cutler did get some offense in uh, towards the end of the match. He had a big suicide dive. He ran back into the ring. He hit a big flip over the top of Hager. He um, then tries to go for a springboard, but he's caught in midair. And Hager power slams him through the mat. And Hager hammers him with a big lariat for the one, two, three. I got to say, Brandon lasted longer than I expected. Same. Same. I he, figured uh, this would have been a minute or two match. I will say for a guy that's kind of labored, labeled a jobber, yeah. he gets pyro. He comes out with a, a dragon uh, costume and mask on. I mean, he's about the most dressed up uh, jobber you've ever seen. Well, you know, his wife kind of does make all the uh, Good point. ring gear for the company. Good so point. He's uh, best <laughs> friends with two EVPs. So. Yep. Then post-match, we see Santana, Ortiz, and Wardlow of the inner circle run out and stomp away on Cutler. The Young Bucks then come out and hit super kicks on Santana and Ortiz. They try to go for it on Hager, but he quickly rolls out of the ring, which Wardlow also got out of the ring, which I'm thinking, okay, it's four on two, and you got two big hosses out there. Why are you guys running from the Bucks, even though the Bucks are great? I'm a big Bucks fan, but, you know, I try not to. I, I overthink things like that too much when I'm watching, and – um so the Matt, Matt gets on the mic and he calls out Chris Jericho and MJF. He says they don't have to wait until Revolution. They can come out right now. Then Jericho and MJF's music hits, but they show up on the big screen. They ask why uh, waste time now when 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 they'll meet at the pay-per-view. Um, Jericho then says they saw someone walking around backstage and wondered if Matt and Nick knew who it was. The camera pans down and we see uh, Matt and Nick's dad, Papa Buck, covered in blood, which... I got to be honest, was about the fakest looking blood I've ever seen. That was not. A- uh, I saw one other time within this company that there was some faker looking yeah, blood. But we won't mention MJF right, right now. That's okay. The story, I mean, for storyline purposes, is this was all good. Um, he's covered in blood, and they, and they throw him into the photos of the Young Bucks on the back of the truck. And I don't think Papa Bucks going to win an Oscar anytime soon for his for his acting no. abilities. But- I mean, that's when you're when you're not an everyday uh, wrestler. That's that's tough to do. Um, uh, yeah, Jericho and MJF both throw them on and, and both sides. Blood's going down the truck. Jericho tells them to come get their trash. They do the Young Bucks pose and then they run off. The Young Bucks um, sprint to the back to find their dad. Uh, then Matt runs after them and Jericho and MJF take off to the parking lot, laughing all the way. Um, then we go to a commercial break, and after the break, we see Papa Buck being loaded in the ambulance. Nick Jackson and the Good Brothers hop in the ambulance, and Matt staying at the venue with his mom. So. Yeah. Um, I got to say, I was glad it was Papa Buck. I thought for a second they were going to do something with Mama Buck, and I was not going to be too happy about that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Papa Buck has been there with him he's been in the ring with him so he was definitely the choice i mean not the best but for somebody who has no official training he did pretty good yeah i mean he you know he's done a few spots over the years of uh i I think he even took a super kick from the bucks yeah um years ago so i mean he's he's done a few things but i like what added to the story it adds a personal touch um the bucks could be out for blood now Gotta say, I didn't realize how long Matt's hair was until last night. <laughs> yeah, it's getting pretty long. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Nick definitely looks just like his dad. I'll have to, I'll have to look <laughs> side by side a little, a little closer to that. I did not notice that, but uh, yeah, I was, I was all about this. I mean, like I could get real nitpicky, like I said, with the blood or this and that, but 
it's uh, professional wrestling. I got to remember what I'm watching. So. Yep. <laughs> then we get a video package. I thought this is really well done of showing what's been leading up to the Shaq and Jay Cargill versus Cody Rhodes in Red Velvet match that I believe is going to be main eventing next week's Dynamite. Uh, Cargill's, um, what I liked is they actually showed her in the ring a little bit. So, yeah, that was a nice little bit of a change up. Um, but JR predicts that um, Shaq and Jade are going to win the match. You know, um, I will say I'm wondering if uh, that's when Paul White will make his entrance. Good. But the problem is they've already promoted that. And if he's not on up until that last match, everybody's going to expecting him to. Well, out. okay. So he'll come out at some he point out earlier. Yeah. And then maybe comes out late. So Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Vince teased us years ago with a big show versus Shaq. So could we get Shaq versus Paul White? Just got a text message from Cody Rhodes. Well, um, hey. It's about the 10-minute warning for the semifinals of the Go Big Show on TBS. Ah. So, yes, which yeah. I will tune into that after this is over. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say um, – or do you want to do predictions for next week now or, or, or not now, but predict this match now or, or wait till a little later in the show? We'll wait till later okay. on. Okay. We'll wait till we go through the full card for next week. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll just say something, but I will, I will save it. Uh, we then get uh hangman page versus Isaiah Cassidy with Matt Hardy and TH2. So Matt Hardy's recruiting is going pretty well, trying to recruit TH2 to the group. This match had a lot of back and forth in it. Um, Page really got his right arm worked on a lot, worked over, mm-hmm. I should say, during the match. And he couldn't, could just couldn't put Isaiah away for the longest time. Isaiah, he sent him to the apron and he goes for a second rope springboard. He actually tried for a Canadian destroyer, but he got caught in midair for the hangman hitting that dead eye for the one, two, three. But then everything was really post match because during the match, I should say, that set this up, uh, Matt Hardy was getting involved and Silver and Reynolds ran out and kind of tattled on to Aubrey and she kicked him out. <laughs> so he got kicked to the back. So post post match, we hear Matt Hardy talking to Hangman from the back. He says, Paige picked the dark o- order over him. So now he's got to hurt every member of the group that Hangman loves so much. Then we see Hardy smack five with a chair and then throws him off the stage down through the timekeeper's table. Yeah. Um, and even though she wasn't there last night, Matt Hardy's in trouble because Anna is not happy with him. <laughs> but Matt can sit his wife after her. So <laughs> very, very true. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think somebody's going to get scolded at some point from Anna. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I still think they will keep it for everybody that doesn't know Anna J is out. What, six to nine months, six, I believe. Six to 12. Six to, oh, six. So half year to a year. Um, yeah. With the shoulder injury that required surgery, she uh, sustained it during training. Really sucks for her. Um, she was just starting to hit her stride. I mean, this is a, a lady that hasn't even performed in front of real big crowds yet. Um, yeah. But I think they'll still keep her around for BTE segments. And AEW does a good job. Even when their wrestlers or in performers are injured, they still keep them around and don't let you really forget about them. So. Yep. Did the... Actually, an injury did really well for Britt Baker. It helped her yeah, career take off. Absolutely. The wheelchair, how they used her there, took her star level to, to the next level. Good, good. And uh, Tay and Anna announced uh, today that they're going to have a Twitch channel together now. Oh, good. Yeah, so. that'll be good. 
Yeah, AEW's really promoting the Twitch channels of their guys, unlike another company. So. <laughs> then we see a backstage segment in a metalworking room where Marvez just finds Kenny again. I don't know how the guy does it, but he catches up with Omega. Callus asks Marvez, what are you doing and coming in here? Uh, the guys are working on the John Moxley extermination chamber, which I kind of was surprised they used that lingo a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, Omega says, if you want something done right, sometimes you just got to do it yourself. Omega then tells uh, Marvez to get out of here, and they continue to work away on the explosive barbed wire, which this was fine, but they should have told one of the guys in the back not to fire up his grinder <laughs> right when Kenny was talking because you couldn't hear what he was saying. I think that was on purpose, though. Okay. Um, I think Kenny might have said some things that weren't TV appropriate, and the grinder hit it. Okay. Well, that would make sense. If not, then I don't have that guy. Just I don't know. He timing yeah. was off. Being a yeah. taped episode, you're probably right. But I got a feeling that uh, Don Callis is letting Marvez know where they're going to be, just so he can throw him out. Because I would not put it past Uncle Don to do that. Uh, Uncle Creepy man, he's <laughs> something else. But uh, Marvez, I, I like the way they're using him. It's funny. It makes me laugh every week, and, and he's yep. good at what he does. So yep. um, I'm glad they're finding a way to use him because. Even though I'm glad Shivani's on on the commentary team, I kind of thought Marvez guy kind of got a raw deal a little bit, but they're fine a spot for him, so it's all good. Yep. We then get Britt Baker with uh, Reba versus Nyla Rose. This is the women's title lim- eliminator tournament, which has been going on now for a couple weeks, uh, both the Japan side and the American side. Um, back and forth match. This was another really good women's match on Dynamite. They've really figured out. They've figured out. They're kind of hitting stride here, and it was a non nine thirty match, which was also another nice thing. Yeah, they've really been experimenting with that time slot um, during this this tournament. But this this match is going back and forth. We see a spot where Reba's back in the ring again. Um, earlier, they um, exposed the turnbuckle. Uh, she gets shoved into the corner and takes a cannonball senton. And then Nyla Rose charges that Brit. Brit moves, and Nyla Rose runs right into that exposed turnbuckle. Baker rolls her up and looks for the lockjaw. I thought this was over right here, but Nyla Rose ends up standing up, powering out of it for a uh, two count. <laughs> and then uh, Brit hits a thrust kick, or a couple thrust kicks actually, right to Nyla's face. Then uh, Brit hits a uh, crucifix bomb for a two. She goes right into applying the lockjaw, but Nyla throws her elbows to get her get out, get herself out of it. Nyla hits a big punch to Britt's face, a huge <laughs> punch. Then a beast bomb on Baker. I thought it was over then. I'm like, okay, Nyla's going to win. But she didn't cover her fast enough, so Britt kicks out at two. Then Nyla lo- looked for a tombstone pile driver. Britt fought it off and went right back into another beast bomb for the one, two, three. And I was very surprised by this outcome as Nyla Rose is moving on to the finals of the American side. Yeah, um, I was in the process of texting you last night when your text message came in. I was going to text you, hey, you okay? Because <laughs> I, I, I knew you had Britt winning the tournament and to lose against Nyla. I, I don't know what they're waiting on. I don't I, know. I think it's. I think Britt Baker needs to be the anchor of their women's division. And it, I mean, but maybe they're kind of going to do it like Hangman. You know, Hangman got the first crack against Jericho at uh, all out 2019 a lot of people thought he was going to win he didn't do it and now look where Heyman's come with his characters now when he wins that whatever arena he's in that roof's going to pop off that place so yep. maybe they're going to do something like that with Brett if, if not I, I, I just don't understand what they're waiting on 
And see, my big problem with the match is um, Nyla. <laughs> yep. Now, the problem becomes Nyla isn't one to sell. Correct. Um, Britt worked on her arm a lot, and then all of a sudden Nyla's using it left and right like nothing's wrong, and then it's like something flipped in her brain going, oh, yeah, I need to, uh, you know, she screwed my arm up. I can't be using it. So it was, I don't know. I just, it's nothing against Nyla as a person, but in the ring, I'm not a fan. Well, I saw a lot of people wondering why Vicky Guerrero wasn't on her side or at her side on Twitter and stuff. You got to remember this episode was taped last week. Vicky wasn't at dynamite last week because of the weather. Yep. That's why she wasn't at her side. It wasn't because they're giving up on that. Right. I mean, you can argue maybe they should, but, yeah. but the, the segments on BTE between the two of them are great, but yeah, <laughs> that's about as far as I'll go with that. Yeah. But, um, Nyla will face the winner of, winner of Rio in Thunder Rosa. That is going to be on it's Sunday on BR Live. Yeah, I was I was a little surprised at that. I was expecting it to be on Monday. Um, but, hey, you know, I'm pulling for Thunder Rosa at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, if, if Thunder Rosa wins this whole thing, then her and Britt could have a nice little rivalry again. You know, they could have um, – Thunder Rosa win the second match that make him even and then have a rubber match somewhere at a pay-per-view down the line for the title or something. Yep. Uh, I don't know. They could, they could have a nice little storyline go, go past a few months with those two. I think I mean, they have great chemistry in the ring. I, and, I mean, I'm fine with Riho, but you know, Nyla's already been a champ. Riho's already been the champ. I don't want to see either of them win it. I don't think you can have one of the ladies on the Japan side, even though they've been having some entertaining matches, but just don't know what the travel restrictions and everything. Right. She just been a good champ, but today she passed Moxley for the longest um, reign as a AEW champion in the history of the company, short history of the company. And I got to think she's going to lose it at revolution. So. Yep. Yep. And I mean, uh-huh. you know, if this was normal times, non COVID, I would definitely be pulling for somebody from the Japanese side as they're trying to bring those talents up and get more recognition for them. But I just, I don't see how you do it. Now the Japanese side's still on Monday, right? The finals. Yes. As is the American finals. Yes. Okay. And then next week's dynamite will be the American winner against the Japanese winner. And then the winner of that faces Sheeta next Sunday. Yep. Okay. It's it's hard to it's hard to keep track. But here's the interesting thing. Um as they were running through the revolution card what's been set so far. Mm-hmm. When they showed Sheeta, she was far enough back that it almost would be a setup for a triple threat. That would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see though. We'll see. Then we get um some talk about next week's card. Of course, we mentioned earlier that they had mentioned that Paul White's going to make his debut next week. And Tony Giovanni said he's going to be the broadcast partner with White on AEW Dark um, Elevation. And we're going to get FTR and Tolly Blanchard. First uh, network TV match of Tolly since 1990-something, mm. I believe. Yeah. Um they will be facing Jurassic Express in a six-man tag match, and they actually had a nice little video package that hyped that up. Also, next week, we'll get a press conference from Chris Jericho and MJF. 
Um, get the main event, but I believe it's the main event. I keep saying main event, but I believe it's the main event. Cody Rose and Red Velvet versus Shaq and Jay Cargill. Who are you taking in that one, Paul? Um, you're probably going to be surprised if I'm going to go with Shaq and Jade on this. I'm right there with you. I think Jade Pitt pins Red Velvet. I think that's the only way it goes down. I think it almost has to with the yeah. way they built her. I mean, if you have her lose, why'd you Again. get selling for her? Yeah, and the only way that uh, to have Jade lose and not look bad is if Cody pins Shaq or Paul White interferes somehow and causes Shaq to lose. Yeah. It, yeah. It, Jade cannot take the pin after the way they've built her up. I don't think so either. No. And Real, Red Velvet's got a, a bright feature ahead of her too, but I think they're really going to put the horse behind Jade a little bit. So. Yep. Then we're going to get a um, big tag match between the Dark Order, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Stu Grayson, Evo Uno, and Five versus Matt Hardy, Private Party, and TH2. So Mark Quinn will be back next week. We haven't seen him on TV for a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, we were kind of texting back and forth wondering if uh, he was quarantined for some reason. Um, it would make sense. Yeah. Uh, it be two weeks that he hasn't yeah, been on TV. At all, so. Yeah. Yep. But, like uh, Oh, Dark Order. Me too. Yep. I just, I don't think there's the chemistry between Hardy Party and TH2 that they're going to have with Dark Order. Yep. Then we're going to have a face of the, of, the, of the Revolution Ladder Match qualifier between 10 of the Dark Order versus Max Caster with Anthony Bowens, the acclaimed. Got to have 10 win this, right? 10 wins it. Yep. Which I'm fine with that. So we'll know five guys. I think I think they'll they won't announce the sixth and we'll get a surprise entrant. No, oh, we've got to. I would think. Yeah. And we'll have the finals of the AEW women's title eliminator tournaments. Uh who do you think's gonna be the representative on the American side? I'm really hoping Thunder Rosa. That's um, what I'm going with. I just I just I think there'll be a lot of backlash if they don't. I think it would be interesting to and why again, Nyla Rose? Why? Yeah, it's got to be Thunder Rosa. I mean, she's been in AEW to build her name while NWA is unable to tape. Um, we're seeing the NWA women's title be defended on AEW, so why not let her win it mm-hmm. or have her win it? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also got some new matches announced for Revolution. We hit on this one earlier. Kip Sabian and Miro versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. And we're going to get the tag team Casino Battle Royale. And you got, um, I didn't write them down, so I'm probably going to miss a few. But you got the uh, uh, Bear Country, which is nice to see them. going to be featured from Dark. Um, proud and Powerful. Um, Stu and Evil Uno. Um, see, I'm blanking already. On top um, of yeah, I'm trying to find it on Twitter here real quick. Uh, See, they did did not announce, I don't believe, the acclaimed yet because Max Caster is going to be trying to be in the ladder match. Right. And it would make no sense to announce him unless that match happens earlier and he's pulling double duty, which would be weird to see. Um, Any luck? See, we've also got uh, Johnny, Hungy, and Silver in it. Uh, Butcher and Blade. Yep, there, yep. Uh, top flight, mm-hmm. private party, 
uh, Santino and Ortiz. Uh, yeah, that's you got them all. Yeah, I bet we'll add a few more to that, but should be. Fun. I wouldn't be surprised if we add between that between now and then. Yeah, should be fun. Then we got the main event uh, for the, another spot in the face of the Rev- Revolution Ladder match qualifying match. It's a mouthful. Uh, Lance <laughs> Archer and Ray Phoenix. This match slapped. This match was awesome. Yes. Um, this match was all over the place. Tons of action. I'm going to try to summarize some of it towards the end. Uh, Lance hit, hit, hit it up to the top rope and walked across and hit the moonsault like, moonsault, yep. like we always talk about it. I don't know how a guy, Ooh. his his size, his age. I mean, Lance Archer's 43 years old. Yeah. Uh, can do a moonsault that smooth, but he's, these two guys are just so good. And, and that's why I was bummed that one of them was going to have to lose. I want both these guys in that ladder match. Maybe raise the surprise entrance. Could be. I mean, I, 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 I'm thinking that they're thinking, well, we already got Pinta in it. But I think Ray Phoenix, and I used to be a bigger Pinta fan, Ray's past him now for me as my favorite between the Lucha Bros of the Lucha Bros. Yeah. Yeah. This was, uh, this match was nonstop action from start to finish. Yeah. He hit the moon soul for a cover for a two count. Uh, Phoenix was hit, hit him with some more strikes. He got whipped hard into the corner, he eats a shoulder tackle. Uh, Lance came back with a back elbow in the corner, tried again, ran into a kick, and and then Phoenix had another kick to Lance's head. Phoenix gets to the top rope, runs the top ropes, then kicks Archer right in the head. Uh, Again, Phoenix hits a rolling cutter for a two count. Archer recovered and brings Phoenix up to the top rope looking for a choke slam, but Phoenix was able to counter with a Spanish fly. That was incredible. (laughs) I, I I don't know how he does some things he does. Um, he's got so much Ray Mysterio in him. Uh, yeah. He went on the cover for Archer, but it was still only a two count. Then Ray looked to uh, lift Archer, but Lance grabbed him, grabbed at his mask um, to block it. Phoenix then came back with some chops, run, ran into a pounce. Archer power bombs Phoenix into the turnbuckle, hits a choke slam and a cover, but only a two count as he kicked out. Archer then put Phoenix up to the top turnbuckle, looked for the blackout, hit it for the one, two, three. Lance Archer is in the ladder match at Revolution, and I liked after the match that he grabbed Phoenix's wrist, and then they did a they knuckled. So they're, they're still boys. Yep, the nice little show of respect between the two. And I gotta say, this is like four weeks running. How has Ray not injured any portion of his lower body landing on top of that guardrail? He keeps trying to go faster and, and longer with the dive every single week. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. Like every week, there's no he, way he can. He hit it this week, and the way he bounced right back off of that, it's like he did something to the tailbone at least. I think the guy's made of elastic <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, he definitely, I, oof. I mean, I, I think they made the right call. I told you this last night with Lance winning because they're building yeah. Lance. I don't like. I don't like seeing Lance take losses, but I don't like seeing Ray take losses either because I like the momentum he's gained in the last few months, and I really wanted to see what he could do in that ladder match. But well, I don't think we're going to see it. Ray's time's coming. Um, yeah. You know, maybe something will happen with his brother and he'll mm-hmm. replace his brother. Yeah, maybe. Even though I, Penta's been gone for so long too, I want to see him back. Uh, at least we're getting one of them, I guess. I mean, I, I, I'm still anxious for those guys to get back in the tag team title picture. But also, I wouldn't mind them kind of branching out and trying to go for the TNT championship. 
Yeah, um, either one of them. I mean, both of them are great. I've uh, really I enjoyed. Pitt can do if he wins this. The for the TNT title, it's a four TNT title shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I we've seen Penta before as a solo act while Ray was out on injury. We're kind of getting to see Ray solo now while Penta's dealing with what he's dealing with. Both of them are so great as a tag team, but as individuals, they're just as good. So I would love to see one of them win a singles title. You know who could be the surprise entrant? Who? Pac. Okay, have the entire Death Triangle in there. That'd be interesting well, for two-thirds of the yeah, Death Triangle. He's a pretty big name, and he's not on the card yet. Yeah. I just thought about that. Is he under another travel restriction? <laughs> he, I don't know. He keeps going home, and it keeps to yeah, like coming back to two him. weeks. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, there there are some free agents out there too in the wrestling world that might pop up and make a debut. Um, I mean, we've already got eight matches on the card. I don't know if we get too many more. Hope not. Being a Sunday night pay per view, <laughs> right? Yeah, because we both got to be up early for work today. Yeah, day. we do. But uh, uh, that's you know, why I like the Saturday pay per view. No, I, I I really wish this was next Saturday night, not next Sunday. But I think it's all a one time only thing. Uh, yeah. Let's hope. So we'll go from there. Um, a real, real quick, a ratings update from this week. Let me pull it up here. AEW did win the ratings battle, yeah. which I know we're not huge on ratings, but we like to mention it. They popped a good number, 831,000. Yeah. 734,000. Even with Adam Cole turning heel, they still are not breaking 750. So, I mean, NXT's got to do something different if they want to be successful. Which, I mean, with Vince funny, NXT's not going anywhere in the near future. That's not what I'm saying. But, I mean, I think if they want to have a better program, because they're falling further and further down in the ratings each week. And I feel bad for them just because those guys are trying their best. And people are losing interest. Well, what what they could do is move it to another night. But then... You, I mean, their ratings will skyrocket, but then AEW's ratings will go up big time too because some of that audience that likes to watch both, that's what WWE doesn't want. So exactly. They're kind of just putting them there to steal some of the ratings from AEW. I don't think they're as too concerned about winning the ratings more. It's more of yeah. we don't want the big number. Exactly. Um, I think uh, Vince is remembering WCW and how they got such a big number. And I think he's saying, you know what? If we stay on the same night, we can prevent that big number from happening. Yep. So we shall see. Um, what letter, letter grade do you give last night's Dynamite? Uh, I'll give it a solid A. It was an action-packed night. Uh, the video packages weren't as long this week as they have been for other pre-taped episodes. Um, and, I mean, the action. There was only one real bad segment, and that was Miro Kip interview. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, it was solid from start to finish. I'm gonna give it an A as well, straight on an A, not an A plus, not an A minus, just an A. Yeah, um, I agree with you. The Miro segment was the low point, um, but everything else I liked how advanced the storylines. I, th- I thought the uh, mixed in vic- video packages were good. The action in the ring was good. I thought this was just a smooth, edited show. I usually always enjoy the live shows better. 
but I thought this one was very smooth last night. Yeah, and uh, I got to say, honestly, at first I didn't realize it was tape because it was such a smooth running show. It was more of that natural feel. They talked about Paul White. Um, you know, it was just, it was all there and it felt live. Yeah. And, you know, the Paul White was added in um, just a voiceover or something. Right. In the last few days, but yep. 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 So, and uh, wrestler of the week, Paul. Ooh, I totally forgot to think of this. Um, you know what? I'm going to uh, let's let's have you go first. <laughs> I want to see what right. you got while I think. I'm going to go with the Murder Hawk Monster, Lance Archer. Got the big main event win, and now he's in the um, ladder match at Revolution. Um, I just really enjoy his matches. I think he's getting better and better. I mean, not that he really needs to get that much better because he's always been good, but um, yeah. You know, I th- think I'm going to agree with you this week. Um, I even texted you last night and said, you know, do you think Archer's outgrowing Jake? Uh, he's getting better and better on the mic each week. Um, I think Jake's kind of there just like Arn is for Cody. Just there is moral support now at this point. Yep. So I don't, I don't think he really needs him too much, no. but I think he enjoys having him around. He can still pick his brain about things. So. Yep. It's helping him get better in the ring each week. Having Jake as that coach. Um, and I still got to say, overall, I just love the fact that apart from Tully and Sting, we're not seeing legends active in the ring. Correct. I really enjoy that. Maybe hit a spot here or there. Or hitting a spine on the pine once in a while is fine. Yeah, not coming back once a year and having take on 20 guys. Mm-hmm. You know, this is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap up the show, AW Games had some news tonight. Uh, they had a a show on at seven o'clock Eastern time tonight on YouTube. Kenny Omega and Brandon, Brandon Cutler are giving everybody an update on the three latest games they're working on. Basically the console game. I know that's the one everybody's most excited about and anticipation is <laughs> I think the highest for that one. I know it is for me. Yeah. Uh, myself. I've been waiting for an AEW console game since the promotion debuted, debuted really. Um, well, they uh, showed some backstage s- stuff of getting the in-game audio created which is pretty neat to see how that that all the process it yeah. takes to go into that it's uh gonna be as they said real audio instead of uh computer generated so that's interesting i i think we're not gonna see this game till quarter one of 2022 oh yeah at least yeah um they they're definitely taking their time on this which is good um you know they keep mentioning through tweets and uh even Brandon and Cutler tonight said, you know, they don't want the instance where they put out a game and so many glitches, so many bugs, so many problems. They're trying to work all that out before they release the game. Well, I think they want to release it to where when a new member comes on the roster or they go to a new arena or something, they can add an update real quick and that will update oh, yeah. the game and it'll be smooth and that way everybody feels up to date with the roster. Even Kenny said we want everybody to feel up to date as if it just took place. Yep. Then we got the update for the game that Aubrey Edwards, referee Aubrey Edwards is kind of spearheading. That's the AEW general manager game. It's going to be a mobile game. Looks really neat. It's yeah. more of like a, kind of an artistic game, look, looking game, but I like it that you're a general manager. You have your salary. Every wrestler costs a different amount, which they were saying on a scale of 
zero to hundred, Kinney would be a one on one, and Brandon Cutler would be a one. So uh, you're yeah. saying, saying every roster can use a Brandon Cutler, but Cutler even made the mention if you can win the world title with Brandon Cutler, then you beat the game. So <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, Aubrey Edwards tweeted out, you know, don't worry. Brandon Cutler is going to be affordable enough that everybody can have him on his have him on their roster. I think we'll see that one this year. I think so. And I like how you set up your matches and everything, and then it simulates the matches. For instance, the an example of Darby wins his match, his popularity goes up, but his stamina goes down fifteen percent. You got to look at that. You can't put him in too many matches. Yep. Very neat. I, I, I like the way this game looks a lot. So I'm excited for that one. Yep. And then the third one was the. Uh, Double or nothing casino game. Um, and to my surprise, and I don't know if you're surprised, it is releasing tomorrow on February I, 26th. I was surprised by that. Um, now I'm debating do I get groggy and stay up till midnight <laughs> to download it, or do I just download it at work tomorrow morning? Yeah. So, yep, it um, it's going to feature 13 different gambling games, uh, poker, um, roulette, blackjack. Um, craps, um, slot machines. I don't know what else, but um, I can do the slots. <laughs> yeah, but there will be AW characters in the game with their voices, their faces, and everything. So um, it'll be interesting. I might have to check it out. That that's the least one of the three I'm excited about, but I might have to check it out. It gives me something to play on my phone. So yeah, yep. Yeah. Like I said, this will probably be one of those games I download that just sits on my phone forever. Yep. Um, looks like it's going to be uh, 330.7 megabytes, uh, at least for iPhone. Um, probably guessing right about the same for Android. Probably right. So, but um, yeah. So, well, I don't have too much more to add besides um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at kicking out pod. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and our Twitch channels. That's where you can find the video of this podcast every week. We also stream live on those channels along with our Twitter or Periscope. I guess you can say, um, give us a rating and review on Apple podcasts, please. If you're listening on that, that really helps us out. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. If you haven't already, we'd appreciate that. You can follow our own personal Twitter handles. Mine's at Tanner Lee 92. Paul's is at Paul Zartman 921. And um, that's all I got. Any final thoughts, Paul? Uh, looking forward to Crossroads. Uh, looking forward to seeing Paul White on AEW. And uh, you think he I, goes by Paul White? I think so. I think I with the fact that they're, you know, Paul White has signed. And normally, whatever they say, so and so name has signed is what that person goes by in on the show. So. I think we see him as Paul White going forward. Yeah, it would be neat if he could go by the Giant, but I'm guessing that's owned by WWE since <laughs> it was copyrighted and owned by WCW. So. But, or but he'll go by Captain Insano. So. Yeah. Yep, so. It'll either be Paul White or Captain Insano. We shall see. But I'm uh, looking forward to next week's show, Paul. I'm looking forward to finally yep. doing our first uh, pay-per-view uh, preview picks and our confident points and uh, battling for the belt. So. Yep, definitely going to have to write it down so that uh, we don't forget we've made some predictions in the past. And then uh, I'm texting you, now, did you pick this way or did I pick that way? The good thing is we will have video evidence and audio <laughs> evidence, so we will yep. be good to go there. But really looking forward to it. Next week's show is going to be fun recapping 
AEW Dynamite Crossroads and previewing the Revolution. Should be a good time. It'll be a great time. And uh, with that, for Tanner Lee, I'm Paul Zartman. Join us again next week as we kick out another podcast and make some great predictions. 